the 269th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that, to be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win 54 to 53, North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Oh, way to worthy, worthy five! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber, front court, Carolina with foul, he takes the timeout, they're out foul. of timeout, technical foul, technical foul on Michigan, they're out of timeout. Front court, Williams on the drive, gets it back out to head, long outside shot, short rebounded, May, it's over, Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72, and how about them Tar Heels, they are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national gaggum champion. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys once again today, getting you ready for Game 2 of the 2023-2024 season as Carolina hosts Lehigh on Saturday afternoon inside the Smithson. We're going to tell you all you need to know about the Mountain Hawks, get you up to date on Carolina. We have a discussion topic or two we're going to talk about, and of course give our keys to the game and much more. But before we do any of that, we start every edition of the pod, as we always do, with the pod thought of the day. We go to a quarterback of one of my uh, my favorite teams in the, uh, in the NFL Joe Namath from the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. They beat Anthony's uh, Giants back earlier this season. And the quote is, to be a leader, you have to make people want to follow you. And nobody wants to follow someone who doesn't know where he's going. And um, I, I picked this because I think I think we saw on Monday in, in one game the leadership – issues and the and the and the leadership void that existed in the program last year it appears to be corrected it appears to be corrected mainly by a transfer being Cormac Ryan the guy that um can you know is going to hold people accountable one of the the our, our faithful listeners to the show Josh Smilo DM'd me and said could he be to this team what Brady Manick was to the team 2 years ago in terms of a leadership guy and i don't think that's too far off of a comparison, I think he is going to be that type of guy. Um, I think there's going to be some fire and emotion. I don't know if he's going to be, you know, kicking trash cans and throwing chairs in the locker room like Brady Manick did back during his lone season with the program. But um, I, I think it speaks volumes of the type of player that, that that Cormac Ryan is. That he came into a new situation with a program that's got two legendary players in Armando Baycott and R.J. Davis. But he recognized and said, those guys lead by example. I can lead with my voice. And I do think that if Caroline's going to have the type of turnaround season that we want them to have, 
leadership we identified was a big reason why. And Cormac Ryan, I think, through one game and an offseason, has really filled that void so far for the Tar Heels. Yeah, I mean, he, he definitely has some energy. You could see that, and that's something that you like on the floor because it, at, at times last year, it just felt like the team was completely lifeless. Um, no matter what would happen, it never seemed like there was any sort of edge to the team. Um, really, it didn't seem like there was any joy, even in the games where Carolina was blowing teams out. Clemson. Um, I mean, like, I mean, even when the only time you really saw it was when the Biscuit Boys came on the floor. Then they'd get excited. But other than that, like during the games, I mean, everybody just looked miserable. Mm-hmm. And I get it. I mean, look, you were a team that was on the bubble and eventually missed the tournament. But at the same time, like it, it, it was, it's been much different to watch them in the scrimmage, then into the exhibition, and now into the first game of the season where. It just looked like this team was having a lot more fun. And, yeah, I mean, Cormac Ryan, I think, can be that vocal presence um, that they need to a certain extent. I mean, you didn't really see it a ton, I think, during the game. I mean, def- I-, I think more of an outgoing personality. I think it really falls on R.J. Davis and Armando Baycott, the guys that have been here for a long time now to step up and be the leaders. And I'll tell you another guy who you can see already, there's some leadership qualities to him. Elliot Cadeau even as a freshman, is a leader out there on that floor. He is directing traffic. He is very vocal. That's the type of things that you like to see. So I already feel pretty good about where Carolina's leadership group is at this year as opposed to what we saw from them a year ago. You know, we've heard at nauseum all football season from Mac Brown who said that player-led teams are the best type of teams. Let's hope that Carolina basketball has some better player-led leadership so we don't have to talk about some disgusting losses like we've had to the last couple weeks here with Tar Heel football. Let's now transition to Lehigh. Um, and, and I don't want to make this out to to make to, to speak highly and, and, and really give Carolina kudos for playing a Patriot League uh, team. Kudos. Yeah, kudos. kudos. Now that would be kudos. Or kudos. Kudos, <laughs> kudos. It's all in how I thought that was a player on Lehigh. Nope. Well, there could be. Um, but, you know, Carolina started off with Radford, a team that's respected in the Big South. Now they're bringing in Lehigh, a team that's picked to finish second in the Patriot League. They did lose their season opener to Cornell in a high-scoring affair. Uh, two of the better offenses in college basketball squared off in that game. They do play Penn State tonight, but because of our weekend where we're going to be in Chapel Hill for the Duke game, Tomorrow night in Keenan Stadium, Smith Center on Sunday. We had to go ahead and record today, so we won't have as them. Uh, we won't have them as up to date with us. Now, with are the, they playing Penn State or are they playing the team that Fairly Dickinson played the other night that has the exact same logo as Penn State? And I had many people thinking that a tournament team from last year got absolutely blasted by Fairly Dickinson. No, this is Penn State. Okay, just wanted to clarify. Um. You know, I mentioned that this is a good team. They were picked to finish second in the Patriot League behind the three-time defending champions, uh, Colgate. And if you're a big college basketball buff, you know whenever you get your brackets on Selection Sunday, Colgate the last three years has been a team that often has used has been picked to make the upset as a 14 seed or a 15 seed. Um, this is a good basketball league. Um, they returned two all-league players. Keith Higgins Jr. was a first-team all-Patriot League player a year ago. And then Tyler Whitney Sidney was the third team uh, All Patriot League player a year ago, and they returned four starters overall. So you're talking about a team that's got two All 
conference players back, four starters back, kind of like Radford, an, an, an experienced mid-major program that's going to test the Tar Heels in more ways than one. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you look at the group that they have, and, I mean, you've got uh, two junior starters, two senior starters. Um, I mean, yeah, it's it's a very similar team. And, look, Radford, the thing with Radford is is that, yeah, we, we, thought, we think they can be a pretty good team. Last year had a pretty solid year in the Big South. If they were in just about any other conference, they'd probably end up making the tournament. But there's a lot of really good teams there. The thing about Radford this year, they were picked to finish sixth in this in that conference. Now, the Patriot League isn't the toughest conference in the world, but to be picked second to finish in that conference shows you that there is some belief that this can be a pretty good team. I think this could be one of the very similar type of game to what we saw the other night if Carolina is not careful. Um, now, I don't know if... Lehigh is going to come out and shoot the way that Radford did in the first half. I mean, they the Highlanders shot the ball incredibly well in that first half. But this is a game where Carolina's got to bring it a little bit on the defensive end from the word go. It's you got to be better uh, with, with your on-ball defense. Um, I, I think that's that's one of the biggest things that we had an issue with, especially early on the other night, was guys just driving right to the basket. You can't let this team do this to you because they have. More guys, I think, overall coming in that you feel can hurt you than Radford did. So, I mean, it's just one of those games where Carolina is going to be favored to win the game. They should win it by double digits. But if Carolina is not careful, this could be they they could be in for another battle against a really good mid major team. You know, I was I, I've started listening to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. Gary Parish, Matt Norlander, they host it. Um, and if you love college basketball, it's a great it, it's a great national uh, podcast to listen to. And, and they were lamenting the start to the season of power programs playing crappy mid majors. Um, and you know, you look up and down the roster, uh, up and down the top twenty five. It, it's 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 we know from anywhere from Kansas to Duke um, and, uh, among your your power programs. Baylor played a school yesterday called John Brown. They were fifty-two and a half point favorites, and they didn't even cover. By the way, oh my god! Oh, and so they geez. were they they were lamenting that this is a problem in college basketball. That it's the first week of the season, and you've got your best programs playing bad teams. We got the Champions Classic next weekend. You've got Arizona and Duke tonight. That game in Durham in Cameron. So that's going to be a big game. So the weekend kind of ramps it up. But they ne- they didn't mention that Carolina. Doesn't do that. Like Carolina, yes, they 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 play their mid majors. They have the games on on their schedule to make them money and yes, to guarantee them wins. But they're also playing quality mid majors. Radford, quality mid major. This Lehigh team is a quality mid major program. Yes, they're coming they're coming out of one bid leagues, but outside of really, you know, the West Coast Conference or the Mountain West. How many conferences nowadays are going to get multiple teams from a mid-major conference in there? There aren't many. Um, but but Lehigh is a good team that is experienced. They've got dudes that can play at the Power 5 level um, but opted to stay you know, at, at, at the program because they've been there for so long and want to be a part of taking that team and that program back to the NCAA tournament. And so you know, we, we've, we've applauded Huber Davis for the, the big non-conference games that he's scheduled – because it gets you ready for the ACC. 
I think these games get you ready for the ACC as well because these are these are games that will get you ready for like a Boston College team that you'll see later in the year that isn't overly gifted. They don't got the talent or the depth that, 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 that you're going to have, but they're going to have the experience, um, and, and they're, they're, they're going to be a team that, that, that's going to get, be getting up to play you and try to knock you off the perch. So um, they do have three players after the first game that have, that are scoring double figures. Uh, Tyler Whitney, uh, Tyler Whitney, Sydney led the team with 23 points on 73% shooting, including 50% from behind the three-point line. Dominic uh, Perlin scored 16 points. He shot 47% from the field. And then Jalen Sinclair scored 13 points, shot 50% from the field. You didn't hear Keith Higgins Jr.'s uh, name mentioned he scored eight points in the opener. You imagine he'll bounce back in their game tonight against Penn State in terms of getting up for the game Sunday at Carolina. Now let's look at the game from the Tar Heels perspective. The first thing we got to talk about is I mentioned this when we recapped the Radford game, but uh, I read this in, in, in the practice notebook that uh, Adam Lucas wrote for GoHeels.com. The Blazer is here to stay for Huber Davis. That was not a one-off. Um, now, he's not going back to the old days where they wore full suit and ties. Maybe we we might graduate that to that at some point during the season. But the Blazer look is here to stay for the head coach. The assistants are going to still wear the three-quarter zips, which doesn't really bother me because they're the assistants. But I do like the idea of, of our head coach looking the part on the sidelines, at least wearing something other than a rain jacket, while trying to coach and lead his program, so um, if, if you're if you're a, a, a nerd like me and, and you care about that type of stuff, if you got excited about seeing Hubert and the Blazer, do know that it is here to stay for the rest of the season. This is the first ever matchup with Lehigh, um, which I found very interesting. Like I was going through uh, Sports Reference's college basketball page, they had their head-to-head matchups, trying to find out. Um, and see if I missed it. Like, I looked over the page like four different times, and I did not see Lehigh mentioned in, a, in, in the head-to-head column. Um, Carolina has played some other schools out of the Patriot League in years past, uh, but they have never faced the Mountain Hawks, so this will be a fun little fun little game. Um, it's a decade after. We would have loved to maybe welcome them to Chapel after they upset Duke in Greensboro in the NCAA tournament that one year, um, the night when Duke was a two-seed. C.J. McCollum, a guy that has gone on to star in the NBA, led them to an upset of the Blue Devils uh, really in Duke's backyard there in Greensboro. But nonetheless, these two teams are going to match up on the court for the first time. Somebody brought up a great question. This was a tweet that was on social media the other night. When they run out of the tunnel, do we do we boo them or do we do we applaud them? I, I, think I mean, because, I know it's a different team, but like... I think because of how long... Like, if this was last year... I, I, I think in a roundabout way you would cheer them because you, you upset Duke. You knocked Duke out of the tournament. But because, I mean, you okay, got that's inter- interesting. Because we're a decade removed from it, I and, you know, there's the players aren't there. The, the head coach is still the same because so, he's, oh. he's been there for 17 years. He's also, okay, he's, all he's right, also so a, that could be a reason why then. He's also a doctor, by the way. So... You know, you had Dr. James really? Smith who founded the game of basketball. Now their head coach at Lehigh is a doctor. So so if a guy gets hurt on the floor, can he diagnose him? Do they have a trainer? <laughs> That's the ultimate question. Hopefully we, do, hopefully we don't have to get to that. Yeah, oh yeah. No. But, I mean, you know, if, if we do, you know, we, we do have someone that will be able to uh, 
you know. I got to tell you, since he's still there, I may stand up and cheer. I may give him a clap when there's they also, introduce him. There's also a chance he might have to come check on us after we, we, we walk up to our seats because the stairs are are plenty and so is our our, our, our weight. Yeah, we're sitting up high again. I, I, I wanted to break that news to you. We're going to sit up probably where we sat last year for Georgia Tech, nice and high. Great view, but um, we're fat. Yeah, <laughs> so – um, but I, I do think it's interesting that, you know, like I said, if this was a decade ago, yeah, you cheer them because we expect to win the game and also you, you knocked out the enemy. So it, I think it'll still nonetheless be interesting because it's it's going to be mentioned. I don't know, like it won't be mentioned like in the arena, but you would imagine Jones, Angel, Marcus, Aguinyard, they're on the call for this game. It'll get brought up on the Tar Heel Sports Network. Um, speaking of Carolina, Four guys scored double figures in the season opener, led by Armando Baycotts, 25 points, 13 rebounds. Cormac Ryan, a guy we talked about, he scored 13 points, three boards, three assists. He shot 38% in the opener, 43% from three. R.J. Davis, 13 points, three rebounds, two assists, 43% from the field, 20% from three. It was just one of five in the opener. And then Harrison Ingram, um, 12 points, four rebounds, three assists, 44% shooting, and 40% from three. There were two things I wanted to have a little general discussion about before we get to our keys to the game. Um, and the first one is in regards to the starting five. And Hubert Davis was asked about the rot- the starting five that he used and if we can expect to see that moving forward. That's the five that I started tonight. It doesn't go any deeper than that. You know, I just – that's the five that I wanted to start tonight. But um, – you know, we got 11 starters, the guys that can come in at any time and, and contribute and, and, and not only contribute, but can make impactful plays on both ends of the floor to give us a chance to be um, the best team that we can possibly become. So um, that's how I feel about our team. In his answer, he mentioned that he has 11 starters. You know, you only got five starters that can play on the court, obviously, which means in his eyes – He's got six starters that are coming off the bench. Um, there's been a lot of discussion uh, on Twitter. You know, Josh Graham, a, a host in the triad area, made it known he didn't understand why Paxson Wojcik started over Elliot Cadeau. We're going to talk about Elliot Cadeau here in just a minute. Um, and so I guess the question is, is do we expect the same starting five on the court? I think, I think yes, because I think knowing how good Lehigh is, knowing how – experienced Lehigh is. You don't want to mess with anything in the second game of the year. Because I don't think I don't think Carolina's searching for anything. Like they didn't come out of game one saying, man, we got to find something. You scored 86 points. You scored 40 points or more in both halves. You played better defense in the second half. So I'm not under, I, I'm not under the impression that in the second game of the season, even though Hubert Davis believes he's got 11 starters on his roster, we're going to see any changes coming to that starting five. No, I, I don't think you'll see any changes to that starting five for a while until they give him a reason not to roll that group out there. They like that group, mm-hmm. and they feel like Paxson Wojcik brings them a lot of versatility. He is a more complete player right now probably than some of the other guys off the bench. So, I mean, that's the thing. Toriel fans lock in. This is a group he got that's going to be out there starting games. But you brought this up multiple times. Just because that group starts the game. Not going to finish it. Doesn't mean they're going to finish it. And it also does not mean that that is your best group. That is not the head coach saying, 
this is our best. This is our best five. It doesn't have no. It, that, that doesn't have to be the case. That's the group that he wants to roll out there to begin with. And I mean, look, I I, I think it's a group that's going to be productive. Like this this is not a group that we've we've we have this conversation all the time when we watch basketball. We had it the other night when we were watching the Hornets game. Um, when we were courtside, just wanted to throw that in there. Um. There are times where there are lineups where we ask ourselves, where's the scoring? There's times where we ask ourselves, who's out there defensively? Who who can stay in front of somebody? I don't really feel like there's any lineup that Carolina rolls out that you have to be concerned about that, especially this one that is their starting five right now. Um, The other thing that I take away from that comment, by the way, we have 11 starters. Do you think he would have said that last year? I don't think so. No, there is absolutely no way. So, he believes in this depth. He really does, as probably as much as we do at this point. So, you're going to see a ton of guys that are going to play significant minutes. There's going to be a rotation. And this is the thing that's that's cool. All these different guys that you can throw out there, it's really going to be a feel thing as to who is on the floor. If a guy is struggling that night, probably won't play as much. But you got somebody that can pick him up in that same group and have a lot of success for Carolina. So that's the thing that I think is huge. And and to me, that that's, that's what I take away from that more than anything, is that he believes that this team really is 11 deep. Yeah, and I mean, look, Paxson Wojcik started, and I know that I've identified him as my, my man crush on, on the team. Played 20 minutes the other night. So just because you start doesn't guarantee you a ton of minutes. Um, and and I, I do think, you know, there are just some guys that are suited best to to come off the bench. Like, because the game's already in a rhythm. They're, the, the game's already in a flow. There isn't as much pressure when you're coming off the bench. You know, you just to, uh, to perform like, like a starter does. Maybe that's going to really help Jalen Withers. Where, like, last year uh, at, at Louisville – Right behind Dell Ellis, like they expected a lot out of him, and he didn't produce the way they wanted him to produce. Right, you know that that takes a toll. Now he's in a situation where there's still a lot out of there. There's still a lot uh, this can be asked of you, but for 14 to 18 minutes, not 24 to 28 minutes, like you were seeing as a starter. And so, uh, I, I mean, the the thing that I just wonder with it, real quick here, is what is the justification for not playing Pax and Wojcik? Like, let's hear that explanation. Like, I, I don't – what does he do wrong that – like, I, have, I haven't I have seen anything yet where I've been like, man, this dude, he's a liability in this area. I, I think the biggest thing – and, you know, because – and, look, Josh is a friend of the show. He's going to be on the show. He's going to come on later in the season to talk about the year. I, I think for a lot of people, they look at it, oh, you're starting a transfer from the Ivy League at North Carolina. And it's – and, and look, I mean that shouldn't you know, mean if, anything. If, if if you want to look at it from a surface level, yeah, that's that's probably not the best thing because it's North Carolina. How many dudes do you think that Brown can play for you? Play play for you? Probably not many. But you're talking about a dude that, um, as much as any transfer Carolina brought in, understands what it means to put on that uniform, understands what it means to run out of that tunnel because his dad was an assistant here under Matt Doherty. He took pictures with Raymond Felton and Sean May at Christmas time. Like this kid grew up wanting to be a Carolina basketball player. So whatever he lacks in talent, 
he's going to make up for an effort. And well, let's not act like the, like like he's a he's a terrible player. No, by he's the way. he's definitely like not. he stretches the floor. He can shoot the three. Like I, I mean, look, is he probably out of the guys in the starting five? If you had to say who is the weakest member of the starting five, as, as, as that a weird way to phrase it, but if you told me which is the guy that you would take out of the starting five, you had to insert somebody else in. It'd probably be him. And, but at the same time, he's still a really good player. Defends it at, at a pretty high level. Well, and then that he can to rebound. Me, to me, that's the biggest thing. He connects them defensively, mm-hmm. like Leaky Black did. But he does the opposite of what Leaky Black could do offensively. He can score the ball. There's going to be games where Carolina is going to need him to produce offensively. They didn't need it the other night. And you could tell that because did he force his offense? No. Moves the ball very well as well. Like, so he he is he is a complete basketball player where he's not going to hurt you on both ends, but he's still going to play his butt off. The, the dude got 10 stitches in his head and shoot around. And look, if he, if he would have not played... Because it's the first game of this of, of a, what we're hoping is a long season against Radford. You couldn't get mad at him, but the kid wanted to play because that's how much it means to him. So, um, and look, I'm I'm open to. I think there's probably going to be a point in the year where Elliot Cadeau gets moved into the starting five. That time's not now. You got to get through some of these non-conference games and probably through the battle for Atlantis and Tennessee, where he goes up against legit, you know, NCAA tournament type of teams. Before we figure that out, with that, let's transition to them because a lot of hype, a lot of expectation upon entering the game. And I think for the most part, led up to it, six points, six assists. What are expectations like for him in the second game? Because they were sky high going into the season opener after six assists off the bench, and some of them with some of the best passes we've seen within the last 10 years. They're only going to continue to grow for the reclassified five-star freshman. Yeah, I mean... I, 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 I don't know. I think it's just to kind of take another step. Show me a little bit more on the defensive end of the floor. Show me that you can stay in front of guys. I mean, I get it. It's still early, and that and that's the thing. It's so hard to say, like, well, show, show me a little bit more. I mean, look, if he doesn't, ultimately, am I going to say, oh, the kid's terrible? No, of course not. It's the second game of the year. Um, but that's probably that, – that area is probably one that you want to see him – um, you know, grow from the other night. And the other areas, slow it down a little bit, especially early in the game. He, you could tell, freshman, playing in his first game, things got sped up a little bit early, but then you really saw him settle in and you started to see some of the passes. I, I still go back to that baseline pass that he had. I believe it was to Jalen Washington that drew a foul inside. I mean, he fit it in between three different defenders into him. I mean, and I, I don't know how he even saw this pass. There. With his eyes. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you. Uh, thanks for clearing that up. Um, I, I just like the dude is uber talented. Um, he knows. We we talked about this the other day. He knows the role that he has to play, night in, night out. It's it it, it can vary. One night they may need him to be a guy that takes over the game, scores the ball. Another night he may be a guy that literally does not shoot a single time. He's just spreading the ball around because everybody else is on fire. That's that's the type of player that Carolina is getting. So for him, it's it's really just the expectation is to continue to do what you do best, especially on the offensive end, and you know continue to show the want to on the defensive end because the want to was there 
the other night. Um, it, it's just he, he did have some trouble staying in front of guys. So if he can show us that he maybe can improve on some things there, maybe the coaches pointed some stuff out to him. They did have six days in between games or will have six days in between games when we get to Sunday. Um, you know, they, they, they might have been able to work on some things. So those will be the things I'm keeping an eye on for Elliot Cadell. Let's transition now to our keys to the game. And, and after we, we told you about – uh, Keith Higgins Jr. and Tyler Whitney Sydney. Uh, Carolina's got to limit those two guys because they are, they are your the the the, the two best players for Lehigh. Um, and, and with them being you know all Patriot League type of dudes, they're 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 really good basketball players. They're experienced basketball players um, that are going to be fired up to play in this venue. Um, and with the head coach being. You know the same coach that guided the upset to Duke. That's going to be a part of to, of, of his message coming into the game is for this group of Mountain Hawks to pull up their, the un, uh, an upset of their own over a Tobacco Road school like 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 Carolina is. And so um, this is where I think Carolina's defensive versatility really can come into handy because I thought the other night what Carolina did really well against Radford was they wore them down on the defensive end of the floor because Carolina kept throwing bodies at them. You had a fresh Seth Trimble coming off the bench. You had a fresh Jalen Withers coming off the bench. You know that Wojcik's going to defend his butt off. Cormac Ryan provides some length on the perimeter. Um, R.J. Davis is going to guard as hard as, as he possibly can, given his size limitations. And so um, I think that's the thing about Carolina. We're so excited about the offensive potential. And watching them score 86 points the other night and – See the second break offense make a return. Yeah, that's exciting. But and I and I get excited every year because they've built the roster to be good defensively. It just hasn't really translated. I think the other night you saw a glimpse in that second half that with this team commits to that end of the floor and they communicate the way they, that they need to with the way that they're changing up defending their ball screens. This team is going to be better defensively, and so I think they'll be excited to take on the challenge of stopping these two All Patriot League guys. Well, because the thing is, is that in the game against Radford, they could not slow down Radford's best players. Those were the guys that had the biggest nights. So I think in their mind, you know, they're probably going to come in and say, "Look, we knew going into the Radford game that there were two really good players that we had to take away. We didn't do it in this game." We should be able to do it. And and the thing is, yeah, they're both guards. So Carolina is going to rely on R.J. Davis, who I don't really question on the defensive end of the floor. And I do, I, I, I think, you know, based on what we saw the other night, and I think he probably will have to show a little bit more offensively um, because, you know, you do have what, what Elliot Cadeau has brought, as we just talked about. But Seth Trimble will play a big role for this team as a guy that can simply just shut down whoever he is guarding. Um, and that's the other, you know, the other thing is they got so much versatility there, too. I mean, you know, Cormac Ryan, I, I know that some people pointed out he did not have a great night defensively the other night, but he, he's he's been a good defender in his time at Notre Dame. Uh, and, and, I mean, you could even get to a point where Harrison Ingram could be guarding one of those guys. So, Carolina's got so many different guys that can guard the perimeter this year, and that's something we haven't said in a long time. It's always felt like that's an area where Carolina has has struggled to find multiple guys that can defend at a high level out there. I th- I think 
this is a task that they'll be up to. And, yeah, the, the, the reason it is a key, if you limit these two guys and make other guys score the ball, it's going to be incredibly difficult for Lehigh to win this game. Because when the one of the recipes for teams like this to have success is you need your best players to show out. Radford's did. Got to make sure Lehigh's do. The second key I have is, is play inside out because Carolina's got the best big man on, on the floor in this game in Armando Baycott. And, and let's go back to Monday really quickly. Carolina shot 7 of 20 from 3, which is a 35% clip. Um, and that was with R.J. Davis going 1 of 5. Cormac Ryan went 3 from 7. Last year, Carolina shot 35% or better in nine games. Nine. In the 23 games that they shot 35% or worse in, they were 11 of 12. And you want to know the biggest reason why? Because they kept shooting threes. They they shot 18.5% at Pittsburgh a year ago, yet 41% of their shot attempts were from behind the arc. They shot, or they made 16.1% of their threes against Miami, but 47% of their shots were from behind the three-point line. And then in the loss to Iowa State back in the in in, in the PK eighty five event, they shot sixteen point seven percent from three, but yet thirty six percent of their shots in that game were from behind the arc. And, and so it was one game, but you saw the other night that this team realized after starting five for five, mind you, once they got cold, they realized we can't keep doing this. And, and look, mm-hmm. Carolina needs to they need to take perimeter shots. They need to make perimeter shots to open up everything else in their offense. But the, what they did Monday was what they failed to do last year, mm-hmm. which was give their best player the basketball in a situation where he's going to get buckets. There's not a guy on Lehigh, on Lehigh that can guard Armando Baycott. They can try. Oh, my God. Not even close. But, I mean, but this should be a game where Armando Baycott probably should have a double-double in the first half and should live by either laying the ball up putting his armpit in the rim with dunks, or going to the foul line because they foul him. I love a good armpit in the rim. Uh, Yeah, I mean, to me, like, it's just last year, like what you just described there, there's a difference between taking threes and forcing threes. You saw it last year. Last year they tried to force the issue. And at, at times it could have been coaching. Other times I think it was players kind of doing their own thing out there. This this felt like a much different scheme. And the thing is is you the other night you really saw what Hubert Davis's system will do for Carolina. The system that he wants to run of four out one in because there was so much room. There was so much room to drive the lane. That was part of the problem last year. Even even though you weren't playing a tra- like you know the traditional way that Roy Williams did with two traditional bigs. There, there did feel like times, and and part of it was probably Pete Nance, and it's not Pete's fault. Pete was trying to get to the spots where he was comfortable on the floor, which was inside because he was a big man. He was not a stretch four. He just wasn't. Um, this year, you've got a legitimate stretch four. Yep. Like Harrison Ingram. Harrison Ingram is not a guy that's posting up very often. I mean, I don't see that happening, nor should he. So, with that, it's opening things up, which I think is going to open up some of these looks from the outside. But as you said, 
There was a point in the game where they just said, okay, get it inside to Armando. Get it inside to, even when Armando wasn't in there, Jalen Washington, who's having a pretty good night. They said, look, we understand that we're playing a mid-major. We can manhandle them inside, so let's do it. And it felt like last year, even at times in the non-conference, when they were playing these mid-major opponents, didn't it feel like they still wouldn't go inside enough? They would be like, ah, nah, nah, we don't need to force the issue inside. We know we can go in there whenever we want to. Yeah, that's fine. Then why don't you do it? Why are you trying to force the perimeter shooting from the outside? So it's a much different mindset for this team, and I think they'll do it again in this one because, as you said, Lehigh is not going to be able to defend them. Look, Radford the other night was relatively small. This group is even smaller. Their starting lineup, they their, their biggest player is 6'8". And he, there are a couple of guys on their bench that are 6'11". Maybe they end up playing them. None of those guys saw action in the season opener, though. So, yeah. there's. I mean, they're going to play 6'8 or smaller. I mean, this should be a huge game for Armando. I think... Jalen Washington could have another really good game. And who knows? I think even Zayden High, you know, wasn't great in the first game. It looked like a guy that was a freshman, but the staff has raved about him. We saw him in the exhibition. I feel like he could go to work probably inside too. Could be a big night for all three. The last key I have to the game um, is, and is this is really just because we don't want this to become a trend, is improved free throw shooting. Um, if, if Carolina would have, A, lost, or B, the game would have been cl- uh, closer the other night against Radford, we would have highlighted the, the free throw shooting. Because Carolina was just 15 of 23 um, from the foul line. Now, you've got good production. Armando Baycott, 5 of 6. You're not going to complain about that from a big man. Cormac Ryan was 4 for 4. Harrison Ingram was 2 for 5. Um, and, and for a guy that is going to, you know, I, I think get to the foul line rather consistently, um, you you want to see him not shoot 40% from the foul line most nights. Jalen Washington was two from three. Elliot Cadeau was one from three. I do think some of that was just nerves um, because he, he shot one that it was it was like you throwing, you know, a, a brick at the backboard because it was just a hard shot. It, there was there was no – the ball barely even rotated coming off his fingertips. And then Seth Trimble was one for two. And so – um, again, the biggest reason this is there is just because you don't want that to become a bad habit. And because, of what, you know, if you start shooting bad free throws in November, it's going to carry over to December, and it's going to carry over to conference play. And as we've learned the hard way, uh, sometimes under Roy Williams and sometimes under Huber Davis, um, those, 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 those free points that you don't commit or, or that you don't convert on, they do end up uh, usually costing you games in ACC play. So with that, um, let's go ahead and make our predictions for Carolina and Lehigh. That game will come your way Sunday at 2 p.m. on the ACC Network. I think I picked first in the season opener, so I'll be a gracious host and let you go first this afternoon. Why, thank you, finally. Uh, I will, I, I'll go Carolina uh, by, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go 15. I think Carolina will have a pretty comfortable win. I think it could be similar to what we saw the other day, I do think Lehigh is a really good mid-major program, which is part of the reason why Carolina scheduled them, as you talked about earlier. Um, so I think it'll be it'll be a, a nice test for Carolina. Um, I think they may have you know, they may be in a position where they feel like they're a little more in control 
I, I see them probably holding the lead the majority of the way in this one um, and, and then eventually extending the lead out late in the game. I just I love the matchup inside. I don't think they're going to have the size at all to handle Carolina. You're hoping another thing that you see in this game is a better rebounding performance, especially against a team that is as small as Lehigh is. I think you will see that in this game. And I also think you'll see some of that perimeter shooting. I, I, I feel like they get to double-digit three-point makes in this game. I, I, I really do. I think they were in rhythm early the other night. They got out of it, um, and they were smart enough to go away from it as a whole. Uh, but I feel like in this game, the production will probably be a little bit more spread out. I don't think you'll see five for five to start the game. It, it'll take a little bit more time. Uh, but I do think Carolina will have a good shooting day. Uh, I like you know some of the pieces that Carolina has defensively if they need to throw them in late in the game to shut down some of these Lehigh guards. I think they get the win by 15 or more on Sunday in the Smith Center. Yeah, Carolina's given a 96.7% chance, according to ESPN Analytics. There is not a line yet uh, from ESPN bet. Carolina was 18.5-point favorites against Radford. They did not cover in that one. I, I, I think Carolina wins, um, and I'm with you. I, I'm, I'm going to take it in the double-digit margin um, just because there's too much size, too much depth. Uh, too much talent. Um, I don't think this is one of those where you go in the locker room and say that we won because we're more gifted. Because I, because I do think Lehigh will come in and 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 challenge Carolina on a few things and 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 make us have to work on that end of the floor to get better. Uh, you know, get, get, uh, coming out of this game, to get ready for the next game. And so um, that's why I like these games. I get excited for to to play a good quality mid major. That's what Lehigh is. But I do expect Carolina over the course of forty minutes to flex their muscle and pull out another victory. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. Before we let you go, we do encourage you guys to visit the website. That's HeelToughBlog.com, where we have you getting ready for the Lehigh game. There will be a preview of the game on the website as well as a recap afterwards. I wrote an opinion article about uh, was Schubert Davis right all along about the lack of using the bench players a year ago with all the new guys in their new homes, some off to good start, some um, n- n- not so good. So you can check that article out. Football side of things, uh, it's the va- it's the battle for the victory bell in Keenan Stadium on Saturday night. Um, as the Tar Heels host the Blue Devils in what is likely uh, Drake May's final home game as a Tar Heel, we'll have you covered with a with a preview recap and of course a stock report. As for the podcast, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform, just simply search the Four Corners Podcast and we will pop up. We're there. We do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the basketball season. With that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I do want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels! Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that!